This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. The biggest time vacuum for any GM is pre-game preparation. Getting ready for a session can take hours, but how much time is too much? Is it ever okay to come in cold and wing it? We'll talk to two super experienced GMs to get some perspective. Let's get to it. Hey folks, thanks for joining us on Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur, and as always, I'm here with Emily and Michael. And this week, for the first time, we are joined by Wayne. As usual, all of us are part of the Under the Library crew. You can check out that show wherever you get your podcasts. And now I am turning the keys of this here show over to Emily. Emily, it's all yours. All right. So today I'm going to talk to Wayne and Michael and Art as well, who has done some GMing about the way that they prepare for campaigns and when they may have felt like they have overprepared or underprepared and how that went for them. So... Let's start off, Wayne, since you're our guest. Mm. Will you tell me a little bit about how you usually prepare when you're going into a long-term campaign? Wow. So long-term campaign. So that, actually, that is where you do your prep. So it's, to, it's sort of like I went to art school. So you know how you sit and you dwell with an art. Well, I used to dwell with an art project and let's you go to bed, wake up, do different things. And it just starts forming in your head. That's what you do with the major campaign. If you get lost in like the esoteric little details and you just, it just gets too huge and gets all over the place. But you sort of do it like a you daydream about it, to be quite honest. You could just lay on the couch for a while and just daydream about it or not. And just ideas. I have had the most incredible ideas pop into my head from who knows where prepping for a major campaign. And so you'll have like a seed of an idea, like I'm going to put it in more of a Tolkien world, you know, style of thing and keep it, you know, I remember doing one, keeping the magic, you know, to a minimum and then going, wait, we're going to have these guys who hunt magic users and then make it more difficult. And all of a sudden it starts piling on, but it's all in your head. And I'm terrible at notes. So I would take a, I would take a little notepad and I just start jotting some stuff down with the bullet points here and there. And you get about half page down and just some major things. And you're like, got it because it's in your head. And that honestly, I started a major, a major campaign with, uh, you know, I know art was in it mm-hmm. um, with about, about page and a half of notes, just loose notes. Oh, wow. Okay. I was expecting that to be the first phase. And then, you know, you fleshed out your RPGs and you set some different, like, locations and towns. But for you, it's just the concept. And then you get into the game and then you see where the game leads you. Well, so in your head, like, I love maps. So I have a, like, I already know, right now, from the RPG we started years ago uh, with some friends, uh, that map's in my head. And I, okay. I actually, for fun, did it on this like scrap paper that looked like it was falling apart. So it had the flavor of the map. And I brought it to every session and the corners of it were all torn and more torn. But it was a, in my head. And, so you know, there was I knew where there was a river. I knew where there was a major city. Then I kind of drew this island. And I'm like, well, that's a mysterious island. And I know there's something on it. But we're going to leave that. And then I knew <laughs> there was barrows up north in a forest and very Tolkien-esque map where, you know, you had a little path leading to Barrows and left it because who knows when they're going to get there. But I had a beginning where they started, you know, in town 
and they're going to meet up. I remember just the whole concept was they're going to meet up with monsters. There's There was no monsters or anything fantastical for ages. And so just the simple concept of orcs kind of threw it because and and everyone had to be human with some people bristled at. So I, I had this mm-hmm. structure to it and we went from that. And they had a couple people they were going to meet in town to start it off and then a path heading north. And I've run it that beginning of that campaign another time with a youth group with that same structure. And they went bananas for it. And from your perspective on the inside, you have this thing fleshed out, but it's your ability to portray that story with words, painting a picture for them. But you have to realize your players are going to be generally really good at that themselves. And so there was... I was sending this youth group through and we were just going through very much once again, like a Lord of the Rings landscape with long grasses and large boulders. And they ended up uh, behind boulders in this copse of boulders and some snakes came out. And one of the players said it's still his favorite moment ever fighting these snakes because they swung a sword and he nearly chopped his own leg off and all these other things happened, but still just the tiny details because they had built such a picture in it head. So the prep from it, was it was in my head and then how do i translate that to the players for them to build that picture in their head so the notes were important but uh having that solid framework in your head going into it i found out when i was younger in high school i remember doing one where i had made the planets of what's around and figured out the whole planet like the different continents because that's what you did when you're younger and None of it was used. <laughs> and you're like, it was cool to do. And you're like, oh, this. And I was coming up with all this different lore and such like that. But you realize, I, I, didn't, I didn't use any of that. So so are you saying that you felt like you overprepared there and in the future you tried not to do so much in advance so there wouldn't be wasted elements? Um, the, 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 the story I, I, I have exactly of preparing and not preparing things is when i was this would have been about 1981 (laughs) and i was playing old dungeons and dragons with my high school friends downstate and my friend uh, brian was doing all the dming he was pretty good dm but then he was like i don't want to dm i want to play could you do one so yeah so i sculpted this dungeon with all these pieces and parts like i had this there was this one room with water and on just underneath the water was a stone walkway they had to stay on and there were sea lions and the old monster manual literally it's a it's a lion head swim you know they swim around it's a sea lion had them in there and all these pieces and to me it was going to be amazing oh it's all planned out every room went right into another with these doors you had to do puzzles to get open and it was horrible the worst thing ever. I still remember I was really nervous. I never did before. There was people there I didn't know. There was there were some high school kids older than me. There were girls. Oh my god. It was crazy. And I was like it was I remember just like it just it was terrible for me. I had I didn't have fun. And then that's the famous thing I found out later. If you're not having fun, the players aren't having fun. And it was I could see they were it was dragging. And what was it? I was overprepared. I was looking at all these little details and trying to figure out the hit dice of this particular monster. And it was all and it wrong. just bogged you down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I honestly I've been you guys talked about this episode and I was thinking, what happened? Because I remember Brian did more dungeons, but he's like, No, you'll be good at it. So I just the next one I did, I had this really loose framework where I drew some stuff on a piece of loose leaf paper, probably in a study hall. Um, 
had the notion there was going to be a vampire type creature, but then also the notion of, you know, it really makes sense if this vampire is there for a reason. What's the reason? Why shouldn't, you know, I can't just have, you know, roll dice and have some other random monster that makes no reason. So I made reason for it to be there. And a story started coming into my head about it. And they went to it and ended up being very much like a tomb where they had to get through these tomb doors. And the picture was in my head. That's the first time I had a real picture. When I prepared it, I didn't have a picture in my head. It just sort of like when you're doing artwork and it's just not working. And the second time I did it, there was a picture. And I just translated that picture and they went crazy for it. And I was like, where'd that come from? And I was like, huh. And they said, when are we playing again? And so I was like, oh, man, well, I guess we're going to a town. I never drew out the whole town. I just had like a main street and knew where some shops would be and would work from there. And then eventually turned into a castle. And then it turned into this whole kingdom. And we played there for the next two years, building off of that. And so it was from a seed of, of... a seed of preparation of an idea. So I found the idea is the most important prep that you can awesome. do. But thank you. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a perfect segue because I would also like to ask to pose the same question to Michael. Can you tell me a little bit about your process when you're starting a new campaign? Yeah, and I, you know, I I feel like these are these are going to be similar paths here too, and uh, probably what Art was talking a little bit about pre-show, but. But what I found was it, we started with D&D and then we went to Savage Worlds and I would read every book I could get my hand on. And if we did it out of a module, I read the book three times. And every time we sat down, I felt really overwhelmed. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. What am I what am I going to do? What about this piece of information? What, how do we get to there? And, and and then we played Tomb of Annihilation and I. Uh, that was kind of my breaking point. I just like all of a sudden realized like I'm, I'm narrating something about battles and I'm not listening to the players and I'm just worried about where we are in this book. And I know they're all going to die and they're all going to be mad at me. And, <laughs> and we took a break there. And, and then when we started call of Cthulhu, I, I also ran across this book. It was Michael Shays, the lazy dungeon master. And, when I read that, it was, it, you know, Wayne had been telling me for years, like, it's all about the story. Think about the story. Think about the story. And I had listened to him and I had watched him, how he handled a table and it just, it didn't click. But then I read this book and he, you know, he outlined why it was better to not worry about these things. And, and one of the things that stuck out for me is that when you over prep, you have all these things that you're expecting the players to get to or you invested so much time in them that you need them to get there, both for it to be fulfilling to you and because that's what you've prepared for the players, right? If you've made this really intricate town with an incredible tavern and they're like, we want to hit the trail and go slay something. And you're like, but, and I, like I spent all these hours and, and, and you have this moment of anxiety at the table where both you're like, they're not going to see what I did. And and I didn't prepare that trail. I don't know what's down there. And so uh, I, I remember when we started doing kind of uh, Call of Cthulhu virtually, uh, I was just doing little one-offs, right? We were all remote. And I remember doing them on, this, on the computer. And there were no minifigures. And there were no maps. 
And we, I had to articulate really well where y'all were, uh, which I still don't do well, but, um, and, and, uh, it, it transformed the game for me in a lot of ways. Right. And I was, I was thinking about what he did and I realized that there was space because if I'm listening to the players, right, if I'm listening to what y'all want and y'all are telling me there's space for y'all to create part of that vision. And then it's not, the onus isn't all on me to have all of this prepped and I'm more in the moment because I, I have the idea, I have the scaffolding that Wayne's talking about to respond, but I can listen to y'all as players and then we just build that out. So uh, am I rambling too much or can I go on for No, you're second? fine. It just sounds to me like you're saying that once you figured out how to relax a little bit, accept that you can't know everything and maybe relinquish some control of the game to your players, then it became a more collaborative and easy experience. Yeah, that was fantastic <laughs> summation. High five there. Uh, I love that uh, because that was the reality. When So when we went in to do uh, Bloodstone, right, and do season one of Under the Library, my idea was just that. I was like, I'm going to think about the people in this town and, and we'll start there. And I overprepared just a little bit in that I had made, I think it was like 16 NPCs. Um, and they, they had stories, but I, I just, I wanted people in the town. And then I, I laid out the town, there's the railroad, there's the mine, there's the big city. And then I didn't worry about the stores or anything like that. I really, I mm -hmm. was like, if they run into those people, we'll figure out the space. And, you know, if there, there were some primary kind of points that tied into the scaffolding. But so, uh, so when that season started, that's what I had, what Wayne was talking about, like this page and a half of uh, uh, mind maps. And, yeah. and those mind maps kind of linked the community together. And as soon as you interacted with somebody in that community, I just glanced at my mind map and I knew kind of what their space was and, and what they would hold. And y'all built everything after that, which was so freeing and absolutely made the process so fun. I remember every night of that season, I couldn't wait for Thursday night, right? I could not wait to get there and see what would happen um, because it held an element of surprise for me that had never happened before. Because as we were creating that space together, I didn't know quite what was going to happen. I, I was ready to be on my toes though. And I was really, I, it was just amazing to build out a story in that way. Awesome. Yeah. And it was amazing for us too, yeah, because we've talked in previous episodes about how it can be great to give the players freedom and really create the world together. Now, I want to ask kind of the opposite question to Art, because you had shared with me that you generally choose not to GM, although you have on occasion. Can you tell me why? Yeah, so um, I, I do enjoy GMing, and I've, I've done a bit of it, uh, but I, I find it a little overwhelming and sort of anxiety-provoking, and I think that part of it is because I don't have the experience that... that um, that Michael and Wayne have and, and that Rick has. Uh, so I feel like I need to really be prepared. So I wind up spending just an inordinate amount of time prepping 
and then it goes really well because I, I know the material and, uh, you know, I've got maps made and I've gone really overboard with, with map printing in the past pre pandemic when we were all playing together. Um, and when thinking about doing it again, I sort of think back to those times and just, you know, oh God, I just, I'm not going to have the time between now and when we want to do this thing to be able to prepare for that. But I, I think that there's an interesting sort of thought process that when new GMs or people who are thinking about GMing tend to think, well, a homebrew is really hard. You've got to come up with this world and you've got to come up with all this stuff. So they tend to go to modules and they tend to grab a module thinking, okay, this is going to walk me through it and I can sort of follow those steps. Now, it, there is some truth to that, but in my experience, I've actually found that modules are harder because I then have to take somebody else's world and absorb all that content and remember all the little plot points and then I get super worried about, oh, God, what if I forget this one thing? And who was that character again? And then once we start ad a little bit, I think, oh, God, did we go too far off the story? How do we get back? Uh, so I, I think there's this, this interesting question of for someone who wants to start GMing, is it actually easier to come up with your own homebrew than it is to play a module. My sense is that it, that it's an individual thing, uh, that some people do well with, with modules and some people can read that stuff and absorb it quickly. Rick is one that I think of off the top of my head because he can read something and just knows it, whereas I have to read it three, four, five, six times before I remember all those little details. And then every week have to reread what I think we're going to be doing again. Uh, so... It, that's that's where my prep experience comes in and and again that's why I'm hesitant to do it on a regular basis because I wind up investing all this time in it but it is super rewarding when it when it is done right yeah well I'm the person that has never gm'd because I'm intimidated so if we can definitively answer the is it better to start with a module or a homebrew question then that might be my first step I, I saw Michael you nodding your head when Art was mentioning start with a homebrew. Is that how you feel? Yeah. I, I do, because even working with high schoolers and middle schoolers and walking them through this process and watching how quickly they create their own stories. And, and I feel like they're at a real advantage. Uh, Wayne's worked with a lot of students as well in this process. And it, they're, they're at a real advantage because they don't, kind of feel all that anxiety they're ready to tell a story and usually I set them up with uh, either characters or Wayne has a funnel I've used with them and then I grab a couple of them to be the GM and we make up a story on the spot right and it's just what Wayne's talking about with that narrative process of you lay on the couch and some ideas pop up and when you have three or four people in that process, right, they start bouncing ideas just like we do at the table. And all of a sudden, the elements come alive, the main players come alive, 
and you're all tied to it. You built that story together. And so you automatically know that story better than having to sit down and maybe start out reading a 20 page document and feeling like you need to know that document, like the back of your hand. And trying to put somebody else's story into your own voice. It's probably also challenging. And, and Emily, I, I can't wait. Like whenever you want a GM, like I'm there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. We'll see. I came close when I thought my company was going to offer uh, D&D camp because I would be much less intimidated to do it with a you know, group of kids than my friends. Mm-hmm. But it didn't end up happening. So we'll see. Okay. Wayne, now, I want to. Oh, I'm just curious, Wayne, you, you um, did Strahd for us. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like versus uh, the the homebrew that we had just come out of when um, mm-hmm. when you did Strahd? So I I actually like both of them. And so like where to start? Like that that question. Do you start with uh, once again it goes down to the person? Um, what I su- would suggest starting with is maybe a funnel, because you have a prepackaged to some extent. Like if you read the old old modules, which is what I did. It's incredible. They'll have like a small paragraph that describes a village and your life like, okay, you have to extrapolate that. So what happens is over time and and listening to all of you, the number one thing when you're GMing, if you're going to do it good, you have to trust your imagination, trust your imagination that if someone throws a curveball, you got it. And especially working with kids, I've had kids do the craziest stuff, funnels and stuff and uh, rewarded them for it for their incredible imagination and such like that you know you know no you can't do that but also um you know it's not like i never prepare like i remember you know having this great thing where i made a barrow and was you know the characters had to go into it and there was this throne and a skeleton that comes alive and it was all this bizarre stuff but eventually a wall broke down in the back that led to uh tunnels and in those tunnels there were drought I, I really didn't have a concept. I had the loose concept of this bar. I had this barrel b- built and I knew every, all the parts of it. But the wall fell down and I'm like, okay, I know that's going into these tunnels. Where are we going to go from here? And from this is this is the thing like you're conducting, you know, something and you're going with it. And don't, you know, you have to let your participants feel they're immersed in this and the whole thing is planned out and you know exactly what's going on but also with your imagination if you're confident with your imagination you actually are you know what's going to happen you know it's going to be this or that and what's going to you know you had a loose framework there and so it's going to happen and it feels to you really cool so then going into Strahd where they had it all written out uh, I read it but then I made it like you start with the death house and it made it my own. I was throwing in stuff left and right into that, which you guys never knew. You know, there was stuff with coffins that did bizarre things and all these other stuff. Uh, I remember Rick was there and he had a pipe he picked up and all of a sudden there was a spider on it that latched that. onto it. That, that, that wasn't, that wasn't it was in there. great. I did, I did that all over because basically I used it as a loose framework. Eventually, you know, with the witches selling their cookies, you know, um, mm-hmm. that was all made up that, you know, she was forcing the people to sell her cookies and stuff like that. So just have, trust your imagination. And, go and on into that it. note, oh, that and sounded I, like you were done. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I said, just trust your imagination and go into it and enjoy it. Okay. So just to wrap up, 
we have not come up with any clear answers because so much of this question of how much to prep depends on your own personal experience with the game, with improv and with creating things on the spot. But if you feel comfortable in a homebrew, that may be the way to go just because then you have full creative control of the world as much as you can seed some of that control to your players because it'll make everyone's experience more exciting. And if you do want to go with a module, remember that it's still yours and that nobody's going to come and punish you just because you messed up a name or changed an event or created your own monster because the game is yours. That is going to put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table.